You know how after like a really good workout, you're like, oh, that was hard, but I feel so much better. I feel like I got my W in for the day. Yeah, I, I worked out this morning. I did not get that. I'm just, I'm tired and I, I feel, I still feel nauseous. Anyway, hi, welcome to the show. I feel miserable, but we're gonna talk about some news. And we'll start today off with some entertainment pop culture quickies. First up, we had one of the biggest musical artists in the world right now, Billie Eilish, apologizing for old resurfaced videos. In one, she was mouthing along with the song Fish by Tyler, the creator, which contains an anti-Asian racial slur. With that also being paired with a clip where it appears that she is speaking in a voice that many interpreted as her mocking Asian or other foreign accents. With this becoming viral, we saw Eilish responding, saying that she wanted to talk about this because she was being labeled something that she was not, saying she was 13 or 14 at the time the video where she mouths the slur was taken. At the time, she didn't know what the word meant, adding, I am appalled and embarrassed and want to barf that I ever mouthed along to that word, but saying, regardless of my ignorance and age at the time, nothing excuses the fact that it was hurtful. And for that, I am sorry. And then saying of the other clip that she wasn't doing an accent, saying she was just speaking gibberish and was just goofing around. Then in kind of an update to last week's David Dobrik story, of course, he has returned to the internet, started posting vlogs again. And as we talked about his market, his fans almost universally happy that he returned post scandals. But, and I do think it was a good point, as many of you brought up in the comments last time we talked about this, there is also another market that does need to be considered. And that is the creator slash sponsorship market. Because outside of his audience, for many people, David Dobrik is still a polarizing figure. And while David Dobrik can survive and thrive with the both adoration and the hate of millions of people on both sides. If right, let's say let's say it was even equal. Right? People that dislike him to the point that they're not even gonna watch the video to even dislike it. That is a different conversation than a brand associating themselves with that person. And that is in some part affected by how the creator industry views other people as well. I mean, last week we had people like Eddie Burback still saying fuck David Dobrik. And actually just today you had one of the largest creators on YouTube, PewDiePie, in a video talking about Dobrik's house, making it clear that he is not a David Dobrik fan. I think overall, you know, David being a sociopath and would like any actual personality I think that also shows in this house. And since a lot of creators kind of wait till someone bigger than them speaks out before kind of also walking through that door, it'll be interesting to see if anything else happens in the space. But as far as his career, unless something else comes out, it does appear that he has successfully rebounded. And even if he never got another sponsor again, though he probably will. Just on his merch sales alone, especially if his audience feels like he's been kind of cast out. I mean, the guy's gonna be bringing seven to eight figures a year, easy. Then we have the situation with Ethan Klein and conservative YouTuber, Steven Crowder. Yesterday, after all this, this uh, online back and forth that they've had, Ethan and Steven were set to have a political debate, but uh, Ethan ended up doing kind of a debate and switch. Bring on Sam Cedar, a left-leaning political commentator and host of the Majority Report to debate Steven Crowder just moments after the debate started. What was really interesting is you kind of have both sides claiming a win here. Right on Ethan's side, you have a lot of people saying that Steven Crowder has been dodging Sam Cedar for years now. Ethan and others claiming that Steven was previously scheduled to debate Sam at Politicon, but canceled at the last minute. So people speculate that actually he actually backed out of the debate because Sam is actually, you know, an informed, good debater. And they were afraid that, you know, Crowder would look like an idiot. With that kind of feeding into the argument and criticism that Steven Crowder only likes to debate people that are not as well versed in debating as he is. Or that it's not actually about having a good faith debate and it's more about dunking on the ill-prepared. With even even saying that he is and even calling himself an idiot. The thing is he's happy to challenge me, somebody that has no political, not very little. I don't spend my day talking and thinking about politics, nor am I a debater, nor am I, let's be honest, 
intelligent. But on the other hand, you have Crowder and his people saying it was kind of just a pathetic move by Ethan Klein. Ethan is trying to show off his L as a W. Right? And essentially he's saying that Ethan was actually admitting defeat here and that Crowder has no obligation to then debate Sam Cedar because Cedar was introduced in this dishonest way. Also seemingly implying that Cedar was trying to leech onto people's viewers and that's why he won't debate him. Also regarding the Politicon aspect, Crowder said that he didn't get cold feet and cancel and rather just didn't agree to the event at all. Though it is also worth noting there that Sam had a phone call from a Politicon organizer suggesting that Crowder did back out at the last minute. And that is really as deep as we need to get into the story. It, it, it ends up kind of being a win-win-win across the board for everyone involved. In general, it seems like both Ethan and Crowder's audience think their guy won, the other guy proved how pathetic they were. Though potentially the, the person who wins the most is Sam Cedar, who just got all this free promo. But yeah, if you're a part of either of those audiences or you're just a, an onlooker, what are your thoughts about what was essentially 50% of it just sounded like a Call of Duty lobby. You're Such a coward. Stop showing your little leprechaun Oh, whatever, moving on. But from that, let's take a second to pay some bills and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Peeps. You know, two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time of the 35. All right, everyone's got that someone in their life. Their brother, uncle, friend, dealing with hair loss. And if you don't want to go down that road, you don't have to just sit idly by and wait for it to happen to you. Keeps helps you stop hair loss before it's too late with a scientific and affordable approach to treatments that are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. And Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products that are out there. So some of you may have actually already tried them before, but probably never at this price. Which, fantastically, for a limited time, you beautiful bastards can get 50% off your order. All without having to go in person to your doctor's office for your prescription because with Keeps, they deliver these products directly to your door. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash DeFranco or just click that link in the description down below to receive 50% off your first order. Then uh, we should definitely talk about in really big news, the California state legislature is now in the final stages of negotiating an unprecedented $5.2 billion rent forgiveness program. Right, we're talking about $5.2 billion to pay off unpaid rent accumulated during the pandemic. As far as where the money is coming from, it actually comes from an unexpected budget surplus and federal stimulus money. Though, as of right now, it is not entirely clear who would actually receive the money. And this is because reportedly, a top aide to Governor Gavin Newsom told the Associated Press that the $5.2 billion would cover all rent. But then that same aide telling the New York Times that the state had federal funds to quote, help pay the rent of low income people. With the Times also explicitly reporting that the program, quote, would be available to residents who earn no more than 80% of the median income in the area and who can show pandemic-related financial hardship. We then looked at Newsom's Twitter feed for any sort of clue as to what the actual answer is, and that revealed nothing. It didn't make anything clearer. He retweeted the Times article as well as others that said all rent would be paid. But regardless, this program would be the most generous rent forgiveness plan in American history. However, it's a very notable thing. While the program will help a lot of people, there is still an unresolved question of extending the statewide eviction moratorium that ends on June 30th. That's eight days away and starting a new program and giving out all that money, that's gonna take time. And according to reports right now, while state legislators say they are close to a deal, nothing is set in stone right now. Reportedly, they're currently debating this. Tenants' rights groups saying the move is absolutely necessary. But unsurprisingly, on the other side, you have landlords saying it is time to end this ban. Pointing to the state's rapid economic recovery, which added 495,000 new jobs since February. But without rent forgiveness, I mean, you're talking about people who haven't paid for months or even a year. Yeah, ultimately it's gonna be very interesting and important to see what happens here. And also uh, it's important to remember this move comes as Newsom also proposed a $100 billion recovery package. Once again, drawing from the unexpected budget surplus and unspent federal funds that would then pour into numerous sectors, including education, homelessness, and much more. Then we should definitely talk about this probe by the British news outlet ITV that found that an Amazon warehouse in Scotland literally destroys millions of unsold products every year. And we're not talking about just kind of perishable items here. This 
This includes reportedly Dyson fans, MacBooks, iPads, face masks still in their wrapper, as well as things like TVs and unread books. With one anonymous former employee reportedly telling ITV that the warehouse's target was to get rid of roughly 130,000 items per week. And adding that on average, about half of the items destroyed are still unused and in their shrink wrap. I gasped. There's no rhyme or reason to what gets destroyed. Also, in its investigation, ITV reportedly received documents that appeared to back up that information, with one showing 124,000 items marked to be destroyed in a single week. Meanwhile, ITV noted that only 28,000 items were labeled donate during that same week. They also tracked where the items went after leaving the plant, and there it found that Amazon was taking some of the electrical items to a nearby waste management system, but also saying that the rest was tracked to a landfill site. But despite that, in a statement, Amazon told ITV, we are working towards a goal of zero product disposal our priority is to resell, donate to charitable organizations, or recycle any unsold products. No items are sent to landfill in the UK. As a last resort, we will send items to energy recovery, but we're working hard to drive the numbers of times this happens down to zero. Now, with all that said, whether they're telling the truth or not, what Amazon is doing here isn't illegal. In fact, reportedly the reason why they're throwing out so much seems to be connected with its highly successful business model. With ITV explaining, many vendors choose to house their products in Amazon's vast warehouses. But the longer the goods remain unsold, the more a company is charged to store them. And so because of that, they say that it's eventually just cheaper to dispose of the goods, especially stock from overseas, than to continue storing the stock. But still, I mean, with that, this expose has obviously worried and outraged many climate activists. It's just an unimaginable amount of unnecessary waste. It's absolutely shocking. Each of these items requires natural resources and carbon emissions and human labor to make. That is why, as long as Adam, a, Amazon's business model relies on this kind of disposal culture, uh, they're just going to expand, things are only going to get worse, and that is why we need the government to step in and set legislation immediately. With this report also apparently getting the attention of politicians as well as raising renewed questions about how prevalent this kind of destruction practice is. In fact, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has even said, Sounds incredible to me and uh, an indictment of a consumerist society if, it, if, it's, if it's as you say. Uh, we will we'll look into it. Then, you know, I've made it clear over the past decade and also in the last few months that I dislike anti-vaxxers. But my dislike cannot hold a candle to the president of the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte. Back in April, he told anti-vaxxers, just die already. And now, in a televised address last night, he said, you choose, get vaccinated, or I will have you jailed. I'm telling you, those police jail cells are filthy and foul-smelling. Police are lazy and cleaning. But if you refuse, I will have you arrested. There is a national emergency. If you don't want to get vaccinated, I'll have you arrested and I'll inject the vaccine in your butt. And just to be clear here, I, I am not on Duterte's side here. The idea that you would be jailed for not having the vaccine is insane. Like it's the sort of stuff that the crazy conspiracy theorists that said Biden would do. And obviously that is not the case. Now, uh, that said, some in the government have walked back Duterte's comments slightly. The justice minister is saying this morning that there is no law all compelling people to get vaccinated. Duterte's spokesperson making similar remarks, but they also didn't completely walk back all of his statements. Because Duterte also added that he would continue to halt plans for in-person classes to return and that face coverings would still be mandatory. With Duterte arguing that the first wave has really depleted the resources of the government. Another one would be disastrous for this country. That is why the stricter you are, the better. And also, and understand, not saying Duterte is in any way a good guy, but he's also dealing with a massive health crisis and widespread vaccine hesitancy in his 
country. Right, studies indicate that a third of Filipinos are unsure of whether or not they'll get the vaccine and another third are just flat out refusing to do so. And this is happening as the country has been dealing with the fallout of a large outbreak over the last two months that have left COVID-19 infection numbers incredibly high. And well, I don't think that Duterte is literally going to inject people in the butt with the vaccine. I mean, he is someone that has been known to push the legal boundaries of what is actually allowed in the country. And ultimately that's the show. Thanks for watching. Let me know your thoughts on any and all stories that stood out to you. Hit that like button, subscribe, all the good stuff, but I wasted enough of your time. I'll see you tomorrow.